0: welcome to the podcast we do recover with jared miller your host and i'm dr terry sellers your
1: co-host this is a podcast about recovery from addiction we want to talk about what successful recovery can look like
2: brought to you by steps recovery center rise up subs and the st george hilton garden Inn.
0: hey good friday everybody good friday we are rocking and rolling. It is it's a not
2: Good Friday. Good
1: Fridays in April. I know. Wow.
0: Well, Jared! just like Good afternoon we have to start on a over Friday, again? everybody good, good is what I mean, right? Like
3: you see, you guys the, are loud.
0: You see how hard <laughs> these guys are on
3: me, Madison.
0: Good Friday. I brought a I brought uh, a coworker, a good friend, um, Madison McAllister here in studio with us. We are going to talk about trauma work. We're going to talk about internal family systems we got a lot of good stuff to, to get to on never. episode 127 topic discussion I've never met her <laughs> She was highly offended that you yeah, didn't remember Oh my gosh offended. I, listen
3: worked with him for years Oh for
1: like a minute a and b <laughs> and b Forever. That's for sure a period of my t- of my life I'm trying to forget <laughs> I my memory is not very good anymore but I apologize I do remember you I didn't, now that I, I reminded I didn't you. When I, well, for sure, but <laughs> I didn't when I looked at you walking through the door. But.
0: Should be a good one, everybody. Today on episode 127, we're jumping into some fun stuff. Um, we are. Episode 127 is brought to us by Steps Recovery Centers. Steps Recovery Centers is an adult substance abuse and mental health treatment provider. Steps Recovery Centers provides all levels of care. They have a medical detox facility. Multiple residential treatment centers and outpatient treatment and outpatient treatment services reaching from the top of Utah to the bottom. Recovery starts with you, and at STEPS Recovery Centers, there's always hope. Call them today at 801 800 8142 or visit their website at stepsrc.com to learn more. Episode 127 is also brought to us by Rise Up Supplements. Rise Up Supplements is a nootropic line aimed at optimizing brain function and supporting mental health. They have two powerful blends. Mindful Mood helps decrease anxiety and enhance mood, while Mind Shift helps increase focus and optimize brain function. Place your order at RiseUpsups.com. That's R-I-S-E-U-P-S-U-P-S dot C-O-M. At checkout, punch in promo code PODCAST20 to save yourself 20% off. All right. We always start off with new and goods. A little positive psychology, something kind of new, something fun's going on in your life. It's mostly for me to get my anxiety jitters out, you know what I mean? (laughs) Um, So let's start off with with you, Madison. What's new and good in your life?
3: Well, three months ago, I upended everything and moved down to St. George to work with Steps Recovery Center as their clinical director and their in our residential treatment center. And um, just about everything is new.
0: (laughs) Before that, you were working at Annie's house, right?
3: Well, yes, at at Annie's house and then for um, Dear Hollow for... They and well, actually, Steps Recovery sold me. Sold <laughs> me.
1: You're, to like a Dare sla- You're like a slave yes, now. Sold
3: You're me. You're like for sale.
1: <laughs> I, I think we be, all are to I, some degree. I, right. <laughs> I might
3: be better. I, I might be better, except for they brought me back. So
0: there you go. Maybe I <laughs> forgive them. They couldn't live without you, so they brought you back.
1: <laughs> so, so, wait, can I ask some? They kind of have a habit of that. They, they brought me back too. They did. Yeah. Uh, never been brought back. <laughs> well, you were, you were the Mike Jorgensen days. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't bring people back very often. I didn't get brought back. I have some real questions. I'm. Um, was is Annie's house, at one point Annie's house was affiliated with Steps Recovery Center. Is it no longer that? Is it,
3: yeah, it was bought by Deer Hollow. But okay, it is, so it, yes. is
1: Deer Hollow what was once Annie's house? Or is there an Annie's house and there's a Deer Hollow?
3: No, Annie's house is now just Deer Hollow.
1: Okay, so Deer Hollow is what used to be Annie's house. Mm-hmm. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. With all jokes aside, I do love I'm Steps to... Recovery Centers.
0: Yes. You know, that was, uh, it wasn't hard to come back because no, no, they no. treat you amazing. They're, yeah. they're really good. And we're, we're glad that they're back sponsoring this podcast.
3: I might even actually like the, the owners. A little bit? Yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: I know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yes. I, I love the owners. Ty and Paul are good dudes. Yeah,
3: they're good people.
1: I've fallen noticeably quiet. <laughs> <laughs> Doc, come on! I have you did- like golfing. I with- have uh, you I- golf with them. I have an experience with different owners. I'm not talking. Oh, about right, right, oh, right, right. Yeah, yeah. I don't have as much. I don't, I don't have that much uh, experience with Ty and, and Paul, but I had some experience with the previous owner, and it wasn't always that pleasant. Yeah, <laughs> but I always we'll did love Steps. Steps
0: was always good. Yeah, no question. At one point, he was the medical director and the clinical
1: director. Yes, that's true.
3: I, I think I remember, yeah. I worked with you for, I don't know, a while.
1: Four minutes. <laughs> four, four minutes. <laughs> four minutes, man. I like steps. I but really But it's okay did. that I, I you I forgot steps. about
3: me. It's it's okay.
1: You oh, my gosh. Me. I haven't <laughs> seen you in a decade <laughs> and a half, and you, you're expecting me to recognize me right off the bat. so wrong.
0: She's going to give it to you all <laughs> podcast long. Okay, Madison, how long have you worked Wait, in this Wait, how long is
1: that? 2010 is when I worked at... It's third. It's been thirteen years.
3: Well, well okay.
1: Oh, so since you guys worked together,
2: yeah. All no, right.
3: I I worked at True North. Yeah, I, I know.
1: I worked at True North in two thousand ten.
3: Yes, I that's heard thirteen owned, years ago.
2: I heard that you owned True North. Well, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's, that might be. A that's a podcast subject. for yeah, another day.
1: That depends on who you ask. <laughs> well, let's pretend that didn't happen. That depends on who you ask. Well,
0: first of all, let's jump into this. So I'm super excited. It's not you know, a regular thing to, to have somebody like Madison, you know, that comes in and can speak therapeutically to some of the stuff we're going to talk about today. So I'm super excited and grateful that she agreed to come on. This is going to be a real treat real fast. though, Madison, give us kind of the credentials. How long have you worked in this field? What brought you into this field? I know that you're known for trauma work. That's why we're talking about trauma work today for the topic.
1: Hey, Sean.
2: (laughs) Oh, yeah, you wanted to, to, to Hey Sean, you wanted to hijack this. yes?
1: Sean, what's new and good in your world? Oh <laughs> never mind. Well,
2: let's just let Jared go.
1: I completely forgot it.
2: That was the best hijacking of a podcast that I've was ever way that was to go. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Keep going.
3: Sorry, what? <laughs> okay, oh, we're back on track. Is yeah. that what we're okay?
1: Yes,
0: for okay. time's sake, we're trying to keep this within a fifty-minute episode.
1: Not, oh, okay. n- Not happening with me here today.
0: <laughs> okay, I'll stop now. No, you're good. So, kind of give us uh, the credentials. How long you have been working in the field?
3: Well, if bef- before I was had the real credentials, I, I guess I've been in the field for about twenty years. But I was a life coach for a couple years before that, so twenty years altogether. But Just twenty. Officially (laughs) eighteen. Okay. Okay. I started in Vegas at a methadone clinic. (laughs) Yeah, that's where I started.
1: Wow. That was interesting. Interesting start. Like, what? How'd you get interested in? Like, how'd you get hired at a methadone clinic?
3: Well, you. I I hate to say it, but it it was the only job I could get.
1: (laughs) Well, we all. I I think we've all been there. Yes, it was was when I first got
3: out, and I. I was like, well, no one will hire me, so started there and I I I really had no idea if I'd like to work in the area of di- addiction, but my I love it. Oh, I, yeah. I really yeah, street people in Vegas. That's where I started and it was um I really love them. It was fun. They're very interesting. <laughs> it
0: became an acquired taste.
3: Uh, didn't take long. Okay, yeah. cool,
0: cool. Yeah. I also like working in our field, so I get yeah, that for sure. All right, well, now that we've introduced Madison, <laughs> go ahead, Doc. Oh, what's yes. your new and good? Oh, I don't have any. Okay, <laughs>
2: Sean? <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm, I'm just gonna sit out of this one today.
1: <laughs> okay, all right. I got, I got, you know, my new and goods. My new and goods always revolve around college football. Hey, it's coming up. Yeah. We're like thirty some odd days away from college football. Whew. So that's I'm excited about that. Got my tickets. I'm on the fifty yard line. I'm good. Nice. I'm getting ready. We're that. gonna do a game again this year? Uh what do you mean? Like Usually you invite me to one of the games. Oh, yeah, something. but usually it's because it's my team versus your team, and your team doesn't play my team oh, this year. Okay. So now, when we'll, you guys go we'll to these
2: games, out. do each of you sit on either side of the stadium with binoculars and look at each other? No, we sit. That, that'd be we, more fun. You can just, like, you know, make. F- Did you know we, Terry Sellers the line.
0: drives to the Cougar Stadium? What is it, Lavelle Edwards Stadium? Sure, whatever. With BYU flags out both windows, oh, yeah. he looks. It looks like a parade going down oh, to yeah. the stadium. We're, yeah, and then he's decked out in head to toe. Oh, I I'm think he even fan. has contacts in that say I'm BYU. A fan. It, I'm a it, fan. Like. It, one of the games, he painted half of his body uh-huh. and just went in a Speedo. He's like that diehard BYU fan.
3: He, no one wants to see that. You th- no no, one. You no one.
2: Hey, speak for yourself. You
0: thought, <laughs> you thought that was a Speedo? <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, this has gone south real fast. All right, let's get back to podcasting. Right. Let's get back to podcasting, shall we? Yes, let's rock and roll. Start us off. I'm doing fine. Uh, Sean's doing fine. <laughs> well, anything new and good in your life?
0: Oh, man. A lot of new and good. A lot of new and good. Settling into the to the new old job. Yeah. Uh, went golfing this morning with a group of dudes that are in recovery doing the deal. That was super fun. We Sweet. got a tee time tomorrow. How'd
1: you hit? How'd you hit them? Uh,
0: you know I've been using the junior clubs, yeah. so
1: I got to get used to the... Jared, Jared had a set of clubs oh, that he thought going. was a regular set of clubs that turned out to be a woman's set. Um, and my parents bought them no, for me as no, a graduation no. gift from college. I had no say in it. Not meant to be a. This was not meant to be a sexist comment. It was the clubs were shorter than, shorter than they should have been for Jared, and so he was hunched over a little bit more than he should have been. He couldn't hit the ball very well. So,
0: so today when I went. I was either six inches behind the ball, or I was topping it every time. I couldn't get the
1: distance of the club right. We'll work on that. Yeah, that's just practice. Yeah, I'm excited. That's just repetition.
0: Man, it Kay. was pretty traumatic. And speaking of traumatic events, Madison, talk already. about trauma. Yeah, <laughs> Terry, what's go ahead and read read our little uh, disclaimer about?
1: We got a disclaimer. Yeah, a little internal family system. This is uh, trauma work, episode 128. Trauma work with Madison McAllister, who I've never met. Um, <laughs> Madison McAllister. So, internal family systems is a psychotherapeutic approach that involves identifying and working with different parts of the mind or sub-personalities. If you are interested in understanding this topic more after today's podcast, do yourself a favor, check out a book called, Jared's going to hold it up here, if you're watching on the monitor. The book is called No Bad Parts, and the author is Robert C. Schwartz. So... Let's ask Madison to give us her sort of, I read what is a synopsis, right? But talk to us about IFS.
3: Well, IFS is um, a great way of dealing with trauma because um, when someone has a lot of trauma in their, in their life, actually, let me start with everyone's sort of divided because the um, with our the way we deal with the world, maybe I might deal with certain things in my life from one part of me, or and another one with another part of me, and we become very good at adapting with the world that way. But when trauma, when we experience trauma, what happens is some of these parts um, start to have extreme reactions to the world based on uh, fear, fear beliefs, or deep seated. Um, sort of what I I would refer to as stuck points, requirements that are kind of um, maladaptive, and and it's designed to keep us safe. So first off, we have a true self that absolutely knows our worth, and we know that, that we absolutely know that we're lovable and that we'll always get our needs met, that kind of thing. And then I'll have a part, maybe, if I get tra- if traumatized early in life, I might have a part that starts to ex- to act out extreme in s- extreme ways to keep me safe based on fear. So it's, I don't know if that's too yeah. basic.
0: No, it is. And I just want to pause real fast, because I, I find it interesting. I've started reading the book. Um, so typically, the traditional thought is of the mono mind, one mm-hmm. mind. Yeah. And what the book is trying to teach us is exactly what you just said, mm-hmm. is we have different parts of us, right, or, or sub-personalities. And when most people hear that for the first time, they think of dissociative mm. identity yeah. disorder. Right. Multiple Multiple personalities. personalities. Which right. is clearly not even closely related. Known <laughs> as dissociative identity disorder today. Right. Um, and if you've seen the show like Split, then you, you, right, that's what comes to mind at first. Yeah. But to some degree, you're saying we all have
3: yeah, everybody has parts that, and it, it's a great way of dealing with the world, And um, but when it becomes maladaptive, especially, let's say, in addiction, you might, um, almost every addict that you talk to will say they absolutely are divided between two parts. Mm. The part that wants to use until they die, and the part that wants to be clean and never use again. And then often, those two parts are very polarized, and they're working against each other, and there's... And then, of course, there's other parts that come into play.
0: So You know what's... Yeah, I have a thought on that. I always talk about the Schmeagle and Gollum, right? Yes. We all have that, like, Schmeagle, who's this cute, you know, good community member, likes him, mm-hmm. you know, going Trying fishing. get along. Right, from Lord of the Rings is mm-hmm. what I'm talking about, right? Gollum is, the, is this good dude. And then you got Schmeagle, who once he puts on the ring, or for some of us with addiction... It's when we, once we put the chemicals in our body, mm-hmm. we kind of become different people. Yeah. And in early recovery, we constantly have Schmeagle on one shoulder and Gollum on the other. And it's like, so I get that. I can kind of get the split, right. Or that different sub personalities.
3: Well, and then especially with addictions, you, you, addiction, you can add on, you have the addict and you have the shame voice that's beating the hell heck out of yourself. I don't know if good, I can swear on good here.
1: Good catch. <laughs> this goes on the radio, so we prefer like that it. you don't, but yeah, it's okay. <laughs> it's a pretty good catch. I like
3: it. Uh, yeah, it wasn't a very good catch. Um, uh, that um,
1: Don't be hard on yourself. That was a good catch.
3: Okay. I'm not. <laughs> I'm just trying to keep going.
1: <laughs> <laughs> good luck with that. Yeah,
3: yeah, I know. So you might have a shame voice that's constantly going back to the bad behaviors, but that is, that is being done with the ad- when you're addicted. And then beating the hell out of you. And so the addict and the shame voice might be either in line with each other and feed each other or polarize as well. So it's in it. And everybody's, you know, system is a little different, but then shame. And the thing I want to bring up is this book says no bad parts. The, one of the questions you're going to ask me is um, why one of the things I run into that is difficult about this. And I I think the biggest thing I run into is almost everyone um, struggles with the idea that the attic part um, is a good part that Or the shame part is a good part, or the anger part that loses their crap and just damages everything, all their relationship is a good part. And that's what I love about it more than anything, is that every single part is trying to help you in some form or way. And that is the hardest part that um, clients find, is finding the good. And I'm always trying to say look the anger part is one of my favorite parts because that's where your voice lives that's where the part says enough is enough we're not putting up with this anymore Um, and so there's every part has amazing skills and traits that they bring to the to the unit that family internal family unit but when they go to extremes it's can look pretty gnarly
0: man. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Thought stock, You're kind of quiet over there today. Well, I'm a little <laughs> quiet uh, for a couple of reasons, but um, I, I, he, here's what I was thinking first, and it actually is, as those of you know who listen to this podcast, Jared's a lot more organized than I am. I like to free flow a little bit. Um, but your first question is kind of what's on my mind. What, are you talking about sub-personalities? And you're talking about bad parts. You're talking about parts. You're not really talking about bad parts, because actually the name of the book is No Bad Parts. But the point is, you're talking about parts. You're talking about sub-personalities. What, what are sub-personalities? Name it. What's, what's like a common sub-personality?
3: Well, the ones I just <clears throat> just brought up where you might have a shame voice. So anger. Shame. Anger. OK. Um, you have small children that hold a lot of the pain that that all these kind of real strong parts are blocking, just so you know. There's like um, these wonderful managers and firefighters that are always taking over, when you have trauma anyway, when you have trauma, take over the system and kind of drive the bus and are trying to distract, numb feelings, trying to keep the system safe from what they see is safe when actually it causes... A lot of um, problems. So we would find we would call an addict part a firefighter because they they have a tendency to set a bomb in the middle of your life and set it off and then run away and it's a distraction from the pain.
0: Right. Yeah. It's an outward expression of an internal chaotic yes. system. Yes. And the, the other thing that made sense to me when you said um, that no parts are bad and a lot of people will look at the addict part of them or the anger or rage part of them and they think. So you hear people say all the time, right? Like drugs weren't my problem; they were my solution. Mm-hmm. And so, from that perspective, I can see how, yeah, like if you if you experience some trauma, you are going through some hard times, you have some overwhelming emotions you can't deal with. We self medicate. Yeah, that's essentially what it is. And in a weird way, now you got to be open minded to this, and you got to be you know experienced with this to understand it. That is how that addiction part or sub personality of you is trying to help you.
3: Yes. Yeah. That's exactly what I was. Yeah. Been trying to get to. Yes, exactly. Which is mind
0: blowing, right? Because we, we demonize it and we like make it, you know, and so it's, yeah, it's kind of an interesting perspective.
3: Well, they, they, I mean, they don't know what to do with all the pain. They, I mean, the system is, is always anxious and, or depressed and, and, sort of mood swings all over the place they get react or triggered by all everything that's around them and so they're trying to either create fires to put out fires by numbing and and the shame voices is, is the hardest one as well for people to understand is because they're just beating the hell out of you all, all the heck out of you all day long uh and um and just minimizing everything you do and remembering you, reminding you of all your bad behaviors. And how could that possibly be help, helpful to the system?
0: Yeah. Yeah, we'll put. I, I wonder, is the shame piece wrapped into, like, the manager? Because you said managers, right?
3: That's a manager, yeah. Okay. So well, when the
0: firefighters come in to rescue the person in pain through substance use or chemical abuse... Yeah. Typically, the when they sober up or you know when that substance wears off, the managers kick in and go, how could you?
3: Yeah, well, that's the shame voice, yeah.
0: Got it, yeah, yeah. I'm starting to understand it.
3: Well, and the shame voice will say, uh, when you really get down to the motive of the shame voice, it say, please be small, stay small. Don't put yourself out there. Why are you risking our heart? You're going to hurt us if you trust anyone. So the shame voice will say, why are you trusting any of these people? Mm. You know, we will get hurt. So they're really often designed to keep you small so that you don't get hurt again. Stay quiet. Just get along. Don't have a voice. And then anger says, I'm sick of this takes over, blows everything up with anger and rage, has a voice, tells everybody what they think. And then shame, you know, tries to beat down anger so this is a family inside trying to survive in their extreme reactions to pain so i might have all these beliefs about the world that that um that keep that alive negative beliefs yeah it's
1: fascinating so what's okay so what's the problem with staying small i don't get hurt if i stay small like that like why do why do you want people not to stay small well, I have an answer to the question. Obviously, yes, of course. But,
3: it's a good question because. But, uh, yeah,
1: why? Yeah. Like people, I see why people want to stay small because
3: mm-hmm.
1: putting themselves out there occasionally can result in harm to them. Absolutely. Disappointment, brokenheartedness. Sure. Yeah. I don't want to trust anybody else. The last guy I trusted, he stepped all over me. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Keep bringing it up. Yeah.
3: So why,
1: like, why, what's wrong with that? Why don't I just stay small? I won't get stepped on anymore.
3: Well, yeah. What I will always go to is true self. So I will have that part say, ask true self why. Mm -hmm. What does true self desire and need and want? And true self will always say, thank you so much for what you've done for me. Helping me feel safe. Helping me feel focused and we're not going to get our needs met that way because all I want is connection and love and I want to feel um um, I want to be alive I want to be happy I want to be creative and when we shut everything down and play small then Our true selves cannot live true to our desires and needs, right? And so the work is always how does true self work with everybody starts to work together. And they create new roles for these parts. So have a discussion with the anger part and say, you know, I love that you speak what we need. I love that. Um, What do you think we could do that would be more effective rather than getting triggered into it? Can we have a voice without... You know, going to exploding. the extreme and exploding,
0: right. yeah. This makes total sense to me, because when I facilitate groups, one of the groups that I love to do is just an open process group, right? I have prompting questions, but really, it's just to get a get a discussion going, right? And you see those people. You see those small people. I call them passive participants. They mm-hmm. don't go unless they're called on. Mm-hmm. But when they, the opportunity presents itself, they usually, oh, we're out of time. We'll get right back to that. Uh, right after this little break from our sponsors, Steps Recovery Centers. Man, that first 25 minutes flew by.
2: <laughs> you are listening to We Do Recover with Jared Miller and co-hosted by Dr. Terry Sellers. We'll be right back after this short break with more of We Do Recover with Jared Miller. Brought to you by Steps Recovery Center, Rise Up Subs in the St. George Hilton Garden Inn. If you or your loved one is trapped in the cycle of addiction, there is a way out. At Steps Recovery Center in Utah, we believe in second chances and new beginnings. Our evidence-based treatments, compassionate staff, and supportive community guide you on the path to recovery.
0: It is time to reclaim your life. Take the first step towards freedom, resilience, and a brighter tomorrow. Reach out to Steps Recovery Centers today.
2: Recovery starts with you. And at Steps, there is always hope. Call us or visit our website to learn more. We welcome you back to We Do Recover with Jared Miller co-hosted by Dr. Terry Sellers brought to you by Steps Recovery Center Rise Up Supps in the St. George Hilton Garden Inn and now with part two of our podcast Jared Miller and Dr. Terry Sellers Alright,
1: welcome back everybody, episode number 127 this is uh, We Do Recover with Jared Miller our special guest today, Madison McAllister and we're talking about uh, internal family systems uh which is abbreviated IFS, and it's been deep. We'll get back to that in just a second. But before we do, step two, step two, part two, <laughs> is brought to you by the Hilton Garden Inn, the place where I stay most of the time when I come down here. If you've never been to the Hilton Garden Inn, do yourself a favor, go there. If you're traveling through Southern Utah, give them a Google search. Uh, Hilton Garden Inn has beautiful amenities. They got a great. They have a really lovely pool. They have a great hot tub. the The rooms are clean and large, and the staff is perfect. Like, the staff's always really good to us, so if you need a place to stay in southern Utah, they should be your place, the Hilton Garden Inn, and we appreciate their sponsorship of the podcast. Now, back to internal family systems I just learned I have disassociative identity disorder <laughs> oh that's not what that's not what we were talking about is it
3: I'm pretty sure I didn't say that
1: we have to, I don't think you did either <laughs> but you know my brain uh, but we do all have sub personalities and different parts of our personalities that do different things for us or, or good things or bad things sometimes but kind of that's what we were talking about is how... Uh, there are different parts of us that that serve different purposes uh, for us, and we had talked about some anger parts and some passive parts and some that sort of stuff. So uh, let's move on with that discussion. So you look like you had a question just now. Well, I just wanted to finish statement. finish Sorry. my thought
0: before the break. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So real quick, I'm learning this modality. Right, Madison is very good at it. I need to find more time to get over and sit in on your groups and do your individuals and like learn from you because it's one thing to read it in a book. It's yeah. another thing to watch somebody actively do a modality. And I'm always a better learner that way anyways. But from what I understand it and a little bit of experience I have with it, it's a lot like gestalt. You, you can use the open chair concept. Yeah. It's kind of a drama role play.
3: Yeah, I, l- I use just gestalt in all of my groups. All of them. I love it. And I Gestalt, really love
0: it. Yeah, Gestalt is a very yeah. powerful modality. <laughs> and so just using this in combination with <laughs> that. Uh, so what I was getting at is is we talked about sometimes we have a part in us that keeps us small, right? And that's typically the manager, the shame voice, beats us up. And you were saying that Um, You can learn to appreciate that piece, but also ask it some questions like, what do we truly want? And I found that interesting because when I run process groups, which is the the whole point of it is just to get open dialogue, open discussion and have some thought, which creates internal change. Sometimes people will not participate. They're a, a passive participant until they get prompted by the facilitator. So I use this little ball, right? And and I always tell the clients, (laughs) I always tell the clients, this ball has magical powers. Whoever you think needs to speak, I want you to toss it to after your turn. And sure enough, the ones that are very quiet and typically will not participate, once they get the ball, it's like it gives them permission. And that piece of them Mm -hmm. quiets down and they find their voice and they're able to share. Mm -hmm. Right. Especially once they get a little bit more comfortable within the, the milieu of the group. So it's just interesting how you're saying things, and I'm like connecting it in my brain. Um, yeah, it's awesome. Thanks, Doc. Me, thanks for letting me
1: finish that. So, how great. So, how does this? Um, how does this specifically? How do you use this to address trauma? Uh,
3: that's a, such a big question.
1: It is. A, I'm sorry. It's it's pretty broad. No, too. no. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah really, it's very broad and yeah. very.
3: Uh, but it's. Um, I use so many modalities. There's so much. Um, one of the things I really, CPT is, has all kinds of ways that you can look into um, the beliefs that you have specifically in your system based on your trauma. That's one of the fav- my favorites. That So I might find out because of my trauma that mm-hmm. I have a belief such as, <clears throat> this is one of mine actually. I only have worth if I'm saving someone or if I save the world, then I have worth. Mm -hmm. So that's deeply most therapists have something like that in their system. And so um, let's say I'm going to work and um, I'm really agitated and I'm I'm in a not a good mood. And I know that I have to face this group because this group is a bit hard or whatever. So it's a Monday
1: morning. Every yeah. Monday morning. Yes, exactly. Okay. <laughs> yeah, Actually, I'm with you.
3: <laughs> yeah. So I will go into, and this is, this is um, what I teach clients all the time. I will go into my system and ask, so I'm agitated, I'm um, frustrated, depressed, sadness, whatever it is. And I will ask my system, what belief do I have going on that's activated right now? Mm. And it will be, and I'll go in and think, you know what this is? Everybody needs to always like me, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right? And so then I look at it and I laugh my butt off because I see that that's a silly belief and I've been working on it for a while and so I can laugh and go, that is true. Okay, so today you can go in and even if they don't like you, you do your best job and you teach them what they need, blah, blah, blah. So a lot of IFS is tied to... What does each of those parts believe about the world and what they desire? So, um, for instance, shame desires you to be small. So you would have to have—you might have a conversation with shame from true self to shame with empty chair technique. You write a letter from shame to empty—to the empty chair, which is true self. And then all this information comes out. Now, those those letters are gnarly. Oh, yeah. They are not nice. Um, yet, then with the psychodrama you can have a conversation with that part and say, "So, what's your motive, and what, what do you, you know, what do you feel about this job that you've been doing?" And a lot of times, they're, I'm exhausted, I'm tired, and um, so what do you bring to the system, and what would you like to um, do instead, maybe? And um, so you have a conversation, and then to true self as well. So it's this lovely unfolding. And relearning and unburdening of that part. And always, always, these parts are hold, uh, are guarding the exiles from, from early trauma, and they are underneath all of this.
0: So the exile would be that trauma part or that trauma piece.
3: That, that younger soul, that younger part that still continues to live in the trauma and or hold the pain and the fears. Got ya. And so these managers are trying to keep them safe, which is, isn't
0: working. Or firefighters, right?
3: Yeah, the firefighters. Yeah. yeah. So they're all, they all feel very strongly about their roles and the importance of them. And so it's like having a conversation with that part and just saying, what can we do? Um, um, this, this was thank you for talking. And then, as I was saying earlier, True Self will say, you know, thank you so much for what you've done. Because they understand there are no bad parts and that every part has its role. And what, what can we do that would be more effective?
1: So every time I put my heart out there, somebody steps on it and I get hurt. Yes. There's a, there's a belief I run into a lot. Mm-hmm. Right? And so... Um,
3: What's the belief?
1: Yeah. Well, What's your belief? Right. Well...
3: I should never be vulnerable?
1: Right, I don't want to get my heart stepped on again. Mm-hmm. Right, it hurts too much, and I'll never find somebody that won't step on my heart. Mm.
0: Right, yeah, that's mm-hmm. in the deep
1: seat of belief, it, right it's there. It's not really. I, I don't think that's actually a personal belief of mine. I have some of my own, but um, it's, a, a run, be a it, it's a belief. I run. It's a belief I run into a bunch. Like, yes, if yes. I if I put it out there, somebody's going to step on it, and the problem is, then that keeps them small. Right? Mm -hmm. That's what you're saying to me, is that keeps them from getting into meaningful relationships because they're afraid whoever they get into that meaningful relationship with is going to leave them or is going to step on their heart or is going to make them feel terrible again. Okay, so... yeah thanks pick it up from there
3: (laughs) all i keep hearing is brene brown who teaches that vulnerability is the birthplace of all love and growth and creativity and that's all i'm hearing every time you ask that question i'm hearing that because where vulnerability is at is where all our happiness is and that's what true self absolutely knows and so that's what i will always say is that Um, You're going to – this. I probably shouldn't say this as a therapist on the radio, but uh, every relationship you're going to get hurt because we have expectations that don't get met. And then they're coming at you with their expectations, and we have to have good communications. And all relationships are kind of a a messy sort of – working together and trying to get our needs met and be loving and all these things. So we are always going to get hurt in relationships, which I don't know if that's a good thing to say, but so, to me, it's, yeah. um, knowing your worth no matter what anybody's doing.
0: Yeah. Like, it's it's like addressing that, that. that codependent piece, right? Or, yeah. Right.
1: Like that. Yeah. Go ahead, doc. Well, no, I, I, I mean, I, I, I hear what you're saying and I totally believe it. Like you're Right. Everybody gets hurt in relationships at some points, but the, the alternative to not getting the way to not get hurt in relationships is to never be in one, to not get in relationships. Mm -hmm. Right. And so if, if you're going to get hurt in every relationship and you can't bear to get hurt, then you're not going to be in relationships. The problem is, of course, your true self knows that relationships are where you also can find true happiness. Yes. Right. I mean, that's without relationships, you're alone in a closet at home and, and, Mm and, When I'm alone in a closet at home, I'm going to do drugs. Yeah. Right, that's all I'm going to do. Right, right. Every time you say um, "true self," mm-hmm. I'm like
0: trying to put an image to it. <laughs> and let me let me correct me if I'm wrong on this, but when I think of my true self, I think of Jared at six years old with a towel and a bobby pin right? And I'm Superman and I'm running around and I don't care what other people think. I'm just creative. I'm having fun. I'm playing with my friends, right? Um, I, I, social norms haven't really kicked in yet. I really <laughs> don't have any heavy traumas. Like I'm just free and fun and creative. And is that kind of when you think of true self, is that I, mean, tell I love that, you understand that you're saying, no, that's
3: exactly, I will often ask clients, when was the last time you knew, absolutely knew that you had great worth and you were wonderful, and they will say two, three, you know, like you're saying. Um, if you have a ton of trauma, absolutely, but social norms, you're right, they write on us, um, but the more, the, the, the worse the trauma, and the worse the narratives and the stories that you create about the trauma, I haven't even talked about that yet, but... The the narratives and stories you create about the trauma is really where the true pain is. So a child who is ignored, beaten, abused in whatever form by their caretakers, Mm. they learn because of their own narrative that they must be a bad girl, bad boy. I must deserve this pain. I must have caused it. And that's the story and the narrative that a small child creates because of that. I mean, a child is supposed to be egocentric, right? I need to get my needs met. And so they live in that egocentric place. And so when everything happens to them, who are they going to blame? Not mommy and daddy, who they love. They blame self. And so then it's like a lifetime of learning how to, once again, see that that story you created is um, deceptive and not true and it's just created to survive. If I know that I'm the cause of this pain, then then at least I'm powerful there because we're so powerless when that stuff happens to us so young.
0: Right. Yeah. And what you're saying too and it makes me think of is one of the most common forms of abuse in the substance you know, in our industry, mental health, substance abuse is sexual abuse. Yes. And often I've I've had experience working with people with sexual abuse and the narrative that they have in their mind is Mm -hmm. I must have done something to deserve this or my body reacted a certain way. Therefore, you know, I caused it. Right. Which is, which makes sense when you're saying like, that's where the problem is, right? Is obviously the, the action itself but then they're living in this narrative about the action that continues to, ha- to haunt them, continues to stay with them. And so w- through internal family systems, I know that there's like the exiles or the, the managers, there's the firefighters, there's true self. How would you go about addressing that, let's say, you know, for somebody that had physical abuse trauma or sexual abuse trauma? <laughs>
3: Good question. Um, <laughs> it is kind of you start from the beginning and um, the first place you would start from my perspective as you learn how, what are the beliefs about the world? So we established what are, what do you believe about safety, about um, trust? What do you believe mm. about intimacy? And so I will have them talk about what they actually believe about some of these basic ideas and then, Start from the part of them that causes them the greatest pain currently in their life. So a lot of them will step right into shame is often mm-hmm. a one. Uh, some people step right into anger because that's the biggest culprit at, currently in their relationships. Well,
0: anger is way more easy than shame. No. I, it's much rather, well, just, for, I guess, okay, so yeah. I'm speaking from a personal yeah. standpoint. If Depends. something happens that hurts me my first reaction isn't going to be to cry. It's going to be to get pissed, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? Because that's a way easier emotion. Mm-hmm. That part of me or, or personality of me is way more comfortable than to break down and cry.
3: Yeah. But there's some people that can't find anger no matter what because they had a very, I have a couple of clients right now, they had a very abusive, angry, sort of yelling at them all the time. So your mm-hmm. their, their anger part... Uh, and or they were super angry as a child, so their anger part is hidden. It is deeply, um, deeply mm, hidden down there, and we can't get to it no matter what. And um, um and it's, it's kind of a fun sort of, you know, so how do we, who are we going to talk to, and how are we going to, it's...
0: And I also completely took us off course. Um, so you were saying you establish their values, you establish their beliefs about the world. Yes. And then...
3: And, and well, and then you start to um, just have a conversation with parts. So you might have a letter, have them write a letter from shame. Now, I am, haven't touched on this, but shame lives in every part, lives in a part of the body. So I will ask them, where does your shame live in your body? And they'll say, well, in my gut, in my shoulders, or whatever. And I'll say, go into that part. And people who look at me like, yeah, you're a wacko. I can't believe you're making us do this. There's no way this is in my system and they're kind of looking at me like whatever rolling their eyes at me sure. i mean oh, no just just open your mind go into the body where you feel like shame might live and these guys who are just no way will feel it like that mm-hmm. because it's been a part of their you know the vocal in the back of their head for so long that they can find it so easily and it's stuck in the body and trauma is lives in the body and it is stuck in parts of our body and so just start to find it in the body where is it let's um, address it from there now speak from that place that pain or that feeling that comes up and when you speak from that place it's clear as day and they can just write and write and write and write and um, then, then the psychodrama it's amazing So then, the true self and um, it's People who have been in residential for a bit, they start to get up. They're real excited because they want st- to They want to speak from true self and they want to speak from this or that. And um, it, it is really quite fun for me.
0: That's, that's <laughs> a, It sounds fascinating. And it kind of makes sense to me, right? Because then it allows them to be able to have that conversation from either anger or shame to true self, which maybe anger or shame hasn't have the ability to take a look at it from a different perspective oh, yeah. from true self.
3: Well, and they've never had a voice that would, they're always being pulled by the system and maybe they haven't been able to actually say what they think and desire and want. And you can of, often say to a part, what, what do you want? What do you need? Mm-hmm. And they know. Absolutely.
1: Yeah.
0: Did you ever do any... Any letter writings to yourself in treatment?
1: No, (laughs) and i got to be honest with you. Some of this stuff is quite foreign to me, and I'm sitting here thinking, because I don't believe I've had any significant childhood trauma. Like, I had a pretty good family. I was not sexually abused. I was not verbally abused. I was not emotionally abused. My needs were all met. I honestly don't think I have any super significant childhood traumas, right? And so I sit here and I look and I hear you talking about, so you take the person who was sexually abused by a caretaker at the age of four to six to eight or whatever it was, right? And then you take that person and you grow them up to the age of 25 where they're now in treatment, right? Mm -hmm. And you ask them to, so they have this sort of shame part of them Who thinks it was the six-year-old's fault that they were abused? And to me, that's completely foreign because as a twenty-five-year-old, I wish I was twenty-five. But (laughs) as a as a hypothetical twenty-five-year-old, as a (laughs) twenty-five times three-year-old person, I can look back on my six-year-old self, and I I didn't have any of this. But to me, it seems obvious that it would never have been that six-year-old's fault. Do they have trouble seeing that? Does a grown-up survivor of trauma have trouble seeing that they weren't the cause of the trauma?
3: Yeah, um, unless...
1: Because that to me is foreign.
3: Let me say to you in that, what you're saying. Um, Everyone, from my perspective, this is the gospel according to Madison, okay? Everyone who has had an addiction issue has some unresolved issue. Whether you want to call it trauma or not... Um,
0: or whether it's from your childhood or
3: not, or, or childhood or not. Sometimes it's something as simple as I felt that I could not live up to the expectation of my, my father or, and your dad never beat you or was cruel to you, but something went on in the family that, um, was an unresolved issue and it sort of was a cry, (laughs) I'm not saying it correctly, but is sort of something that always kind of sat in the back of your mind. And sometimes it's not something super heavy and significant, but it kind of has followed you in your thinking. And sometimes that's, it's as simple as something like that.
0: So whether you identify it as trauma or not, it could just be a belief that you picked up along the way or past programming. Yeah. Right. Like I came from a dad that was a very hard worker. I mean, he taught me from a young age that like... You work hard, um, and so the narrative or the what I learned from my past programming is I don't have self worth unless I'm a hard worker.
3: Yes, exactly. which to
0: this day yep. affects me because I have a hard time sitting and watching you a movie relax. from start to yep. finish. Right, mm-hmm. because I constantly feel like I have to be doing something productive, which makes it miserable. Probably for some of my loved ones and the people around me because dude, Jared, just sit and chill and watch a movie for two hours. Right. 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 Yeah, so this is all kind of yes, making sense to me. And it's... Absolutely. I, frankly, I think it's astonishing.
3: Yeah. And uh, also, um, personality types. I, um, I, I really love the color code. My therapist was oh, yeah. the author of the color code. And I really, really love it. I've, I've seen a lot of white personalities who are just these lovely, calm, very gentle sort of easygoing people who use because they have no voice and they don't know how to communicate their needs and they hate confrontation that's a personality thing that comes from a natural state for them and uh, or and or red personalities who are so driven and they're only as good as their last project that's mm. a personality type and that will drive them not to make them feel worthless if life kind of turns in a certain way and so I, I think it's so many different approaches and aspects
0: or the yellow personality or the where yellow they yes. don't have worth unless they're the life of the party and mm-hmm. having fun and people are laughing and
3: or they don't want to they don't want to be serious they're Peter Pan they just want to play Right. And what's this work stuff? I, I don't want to do work. And what I, this ch- raising children? What's, I'm, I'm out of I'm out of here. You know,
1: Can you ready? guys talk about other people, please? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Doc, what was
0: that you said to me before that we've got about two minutes? This has been fascinating. Thank yeah. you, Madison. <laughs> Super it's cool kind stuff. of a um, question. Cool. Get into the wrapping up of this. Yeah. Weren't you saying that the only, there's only one significant piece that you have to do with trauma work? What was that? the only part that you have working
1: in this industry that is related to trauma? I'm not, I, I'm not, I'm blanking on what you're trying to ask me because I don't know what I said. <laughs> Before we started. Remember I couldn't remember Madison. Like, yeah, so you're, like, you're like, you're like trauma okay. work. The only trauma, trauma work I <laughs> deal with
0: is after clients are done visiting with me, they got trauma. Oh,
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's that, right? Oh, that. You, I do occasionally feel like my job in, in treatment, is to tell addicts, no, you can't have Adderall, for example. <laughs> like that's. Oh, no,
3: that'll really upset them.
1: It uh, it's <laughs> seems like the most arguments I get into is when, yeah. I, when somebody feels like they have to have Adderall to function and that sort of stuff. So I'm going to try to squeeze one more question in there.
0: Mm-hmm. What should someone considering internal family systems therapy for trauma recovery know um, or prepare for their first session?
3: Um. Being open-minded and willing to walk through the pain. Mm. There's a um, there's mm. a quote by Amy Crawford. You can go online and find it. It's she talks about walking through the pain. You must go through the pain to heal the pain. And um, a lot of people, they will do their entire lives will avoid pain at trying all costs.
1: Trying not to walk through it. Yeah, we'll right. not. will avoid no it. No matter at all what cost. it takes, I'm not walking through yes. this.
3: Focusing and that, being willing to experience the old pain and walk through it, and I wonder what's the narrative and the story that I have told myself because of the pain, because of what I experienced, and how do I rewrite a new story?
1: That's what we all do with drugs and alcohol. We yeah. avoid walking through the pain. Avoid right. absolutely avoid. Yeah. Yes. Which is which will not work long term ever.
3: No.
0: Yeah. We're about
1: out of time. That was a beautiful episode. Thanks for coming on.
3: Thank you. Yeah, Madison, thank you so much.
0: And we want to thank Steps Recovery centers for being a for continuing their sponsorship if you're interested come down to St. George work with Madison and uh, we'll see you guys in two weeks from also now. check out the book no bad parts yeah
1: interesting read. thank you for joining us today on we do recover with Jared Miller help us spread our message of hope like comment and share if you have any topics or ideas for future shows please share that on our Facebook page that Facebook page
0: is We Do Recover with Jared Miller. If you or a loved one needs help, please reach out to us. Again, thank you for listening.
2: Brought to you by Steps Recovery Center, Rise Up Sups, and the St. George Hilton Garden Inn. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast do not reflect those of its sponsors. This has been a production from a podcast studio.